0: From the McCourtney Institute for Democracy at Penn State University, I'm Michael Berkman,
1: and I'm Chris Beam, and this is Democracy Works. Uh, today on the podcast, uh, Michael, we're going to uh, listen to Aziz Alhamza,
0: Aziz for short. Aziz for short. Aziz is a co-founder of an organization called Raqqa is being slaughtered silently, and he's on campus this week because uh, his 2017 documentary, City of Ghosts, is uh, being shown on campus this week by the Center for Global Studies, uh, which is directed by friend of the pod, Sophia McLennan. Uh, City of Ghosts is a fascinating documentary. Uh, If you missed it on campus this week, of course, our podcast is out well after the film showed here, but you can see it on Amazon.
1: On Amazon, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: And uh, boy, it is quite a documentary, Chris, isn't it?
1: It's, you know, you have to be prepared, man. It, it is um, Yeah, there are some harrowing rough, scenes in
0: yeah. that documentary that I, I don't remember ever seeing in a documentary before. Yeah. You know, Raqqa is being slaughtered silently is, I, I guess you would describe them as a team of citizen journalists within Syria who yeah. have taken some amazing cell phone video and photography. Of, uh, At an extraordinary personal risk. At an extraordinary personal risk, which Aziz will talk about today, I believe, uh, and asks him about it, uh, about uh, what is being done by ISIS, some of the atrocities being committed by ISIS. Just breathtaking brutality.
1: You know, this is not a typical subject for us. And, and really, when we first... Um, heard about um, Aziz coming to campus, we were kind of like, nah, I don't know, this is really us. But you know, in in look and seeing the video, uh, seeing the video, and in um, getting to know uh, what these people uh, took up and what they achieved, it really does kind of seem uh, really apropos. It, it 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 speaks to the role of journalism in a free society. It speaks to the importance of what. Um, regular people can do, and it, it uh, speaks to um, just the the courage <laughs> that is required to sustain freedom and what um, a lot of people are willing to give up in order to make that happen.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, one thing I kept thinking about watching this film that we didn't really think about before putting him on, but uh, certainly that came to me when I watched the movie, uh, was that I, I feel like in the United States we're also seeing something along the lines of citizen journalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's different, but there are some important similarities. And I mean, what, what mostly came to my mind while I was watching it were all the police, that, were all the videos uh, that I've seen on Twitter and on Facebook and elsewhere. About uh, various encounters between the police and African Americans.
1: Right. I, I, citizens with cell phones and yeah. the power that, that creates.
0: Yeah. And it, 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 it made connections for me in a variety of ways. One is that, you know, there is a certain kind of courage, I think, in taking these kinds of videos. Now, you know, as Aziz will, will make clear, these people are putting their life on the line right. that, you know, if ISIS gets a hold of these phones, if ISIS sees them doing this, they're, they're executed. There's right. really not much to mm-hmm. it. That's not going to happen in the United States. Right. But, you know, it has got to be scary mm-hmm. to stick a cell phone in a police officer's face right. while they're in the middle of an encounter Right, with
1: right, right. Especially when, you know, the reason you're doing it is because what the officer is doing you think is wrong. And
0: and and needs to be reported. Right. And that's what I was going to say. And in, in, in some ways, it's very similar in that they're bearing witness. Mm-hmm, they're mm-hmm. bearing witness to these injustices and they're bearing witness in a way that we just never saw before. Right. I and mean, this is all part of this modern age. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we've we've tried to get a handle on this on this show in a, a variety of different ways, uh, talking about the importance of social media, talking about. Uh, Talking about the importance of meat of a free press, obviously, and and all of that, but you know, this never would have been possible before. Obviously, people could have talked about right. what was going on in Raqqa, but but absent the videos, it wouldn't have nearly the power uh, that it does.
1: No, absolutely, and and um, it is just astonishing that we all have these tools, these weapons in our in our pockets. Right? It's
0: incredibly powerful tool.
1: Yeah, and and so. What we have here is a um, is probably the most um, striking, the most powerful, the most consequential, and the most um, courageous example of this kind of of, of citizen journalism. Yeah. So uh, let's let's turn it over to Jenna and to Aziz and see see where we get with that.
2: This is Jenna Spinelli from the McCourtney Institute for Democracy, here today with Abdulaziz Alhamza. So, Aziz, thank you for joining us today on Democracy Works.
3: Yeah, sure.
2: Um, So I'm I'm excited to to talk with you all about the, the great work that... Uh, you and and your colleagues have done as as part of um, Raqqa is being slaughtered silently. But before we get to that, I thought we could start off with what has happened in Raqqa since the film ended. Um, I'm wondering if if you can um, bring us up to speed on where things stand now in in Raqqa and and what things are like for the, the folks who are there.
3: Yeah, so the movie stopped before Raqqa was started and after the movie was uh, shown, many things happened in Raqqa so the US-led coalition started a campaign to defeat ISIS from Raqqa city, but that caused like too much damage in the city so right now 80% of the city has been destroyed by the airstrike, by the international coalition airstrike and most of the people have been displaced many crazy things have happened so far so there is like a new kind of occupation of the city there are like a new suffering that people are facing and for the media it was like only the scene of ISIS or like the topic of ISIS and since ISIS was gone like Raqqa turn not to be anymore on the news or like newspaper or the media or the media coverage so for us like we decided that we would keep our campaign and our organization operating in Raqqa city just to report the atrocities that that have been committed by the new group so so far the city has been facing many difficulties with services, electricity police like right now there are like thousands of assassinations every day there are landmines every there are like hundreds of people who've been who, who, who are getting killed every day and each day they find like um, like a new missing graph in the city where they bought thousands of bodies from under rubles.
2: How has the the current situation there changed the the work that that you're doing as part of your your organization? What's the kind of reporting landscape like there now?
3: Yeah, like right now we do have like more freedom to move. We're not allowed to work legally because all groups consider us as like either terrorists or like Al Qaeda ISIS, like regime supporter or like whatever like group supporter. So since we don't stand with any side or with any political party, so we're an independent organization. So we still have we still face like some difficulties to work and move there, but we were able, like, to survive with ISIS, so we could manage other groups. So right now we got a new people to work with us, and uh, we're doing like the same coverage at the same time. We do run many campaigns and many activities. So we started uh, an online academy to teach uh, or to train activists and people about many things, how to start a peaceful campaign or movement, how to be trained about different topics like uh, digital security, encryption, like writing, editing articles. And we were cooperating with many international NGOs doing this work.
2: Let's go back to to your beginning and and you how things things started for you in the, in the film. Um, you talk about being a college student and not really coming from a very politically active family and. Um, you know, there's something in there about being good at getting into trouble <laughs> and all of those kind of things. And um, what what was your your motivation for starting Raqqa's as, as being slaughtered silently? And and what what was the the force that kind of kept you going along the way as it as it grew and got progressively more dangerous and, and things like that?
3: Yeah. So personally, like before the revolution started in 2011, I had like nothing to do with politics or anything. Anything else? I was like just like, doing nothing basically and like just stealing money from my dad. So and then like when the revolution started, I've seen like what was going on in Syria and like in specific cities. And uh, I had like that thing inside me that pushed me to do something. So it started like as a normal thing, joining like demonstration. And it suddenly turned to be like something more organized. So we started film, like filming stuff, like calling for protest. And then when ISIS came, my colleagues and I, we decided to do something. Since ISIS prevented all the media organization or journalists to get to Raqqa and cover what's going on, so they didn't want anyone else to report from the city. So we felt it's a duty to do something. Since we are all from the city and uh, we lived there, we grew up there and uh yeah even with like zero experience so none of us studied any journalism or any media so we were supposed like i graduated biochemistry my friends are supposed to be doctors lawyers like everything but like not journalists or like anything has to do with journalism so like just like doing that stuff and later on we got like mini trainings like how to write articles, how to edit, and then like many of us turned to be trainers. So, right now, we give training for other people. So, we got like international, like certificates or like degrees on training or or, like to be trainers so we started like from zero and we were able to build ourselves and then we were able to reach out like the international community the international media the international organizations and we started like many collaborations so from people who were like doing like almost nothing we could do something
2: So how do you strike a balance between keeping an eye on on Raqqa and and what's happening there while also trying to expand broader than that?
3: So the thing like the mobile phones can do magic, you know. So I I have like two phones. I have like my laptop. So and that's the good part of the work. So we don't need to be like exist in, um, in like in a place. So we do have our network in Raqqa and in Syria, but like. The rest of the work we can do it like remotely. So the thing like I can be like everywhere and like checking my phone. So and like my my only wish for my mom so to speak with her more than using my phone for one day. So the thing we're all connected to our phones. So not only as like the devices or but for like something like more than a device like for something that we keep like we keep using as. A tool of communication, a tool of doing stuff, and I can't imagine myself being without a phone.
2: Yeah, I don't think anyone can these days, for better or for worse, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so, in the kind of training sessions or the the work that you're doing to, um, you know, share your stories with with other activists, as you were just describing, what what are the things you're you're telling them?
3: So since like we've been like facing different brutal groups we've been through many mistakes and we don't want anyone else to go through the same mistakes so we had like many like technical mistakes that like most of the people they're not aware about so we share all that thing so and also like how to start like a movement how to face like a brutal regime or a brutal movement so there are like many small steps that people they don't think about people they, they they don't think that they're important, but they like they're like so important. And for us, it's important to like to shed a light on it on them. So like as an example, I went to Colombia and I met with some Colombian activists after like the peace agreement. And there are like many things that they were not aware about. So they had zero idea what encryption is. So I told them like the government could track you and like like spy on your devices your conversations and so that's why many of your like colleagues also got arrested so like just to explain to them about like encryption and like some apps that they have to use to communicate and sometimes like when they go like to demonstrations they can like cover their faces since they're like facing like some brutal groups or whatever so all these small things as we experience as a group and we've done like many mistakes and like some of them like cost us like the life of our friends. So we don't want anyone like to go through the same mistakes.
2: Right. Yeah, that's 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 really great that you're able to, to kind of help people um you know avoid having that that same thing happening. Um so do you feel that that the, the work that you did um had an impact to to the to uh, ISIS ultimately being defeated in, in Raqqa?
3: Yeah, so like the thing it was like a different war between us and ISIS. So was like not like a military war or whatever so it was like online and for ISIS it was so important to shut us down so they tried like in several ways they like they assassinate like, uh, like our group members they arrested them they killed family members they threaten us like everywhere so for us that like just like to get this reaction from ISIS we knew that like meant a lot for ISIS and even right now after ISIS been defeated from, like, most of the parts in Syria and Iraq, they still talking about us and, like, they still mentioning us every day. So just, like, following their media and their stuff, they keep, like, mentioning, like, yeah, don't be as bad as RBS is. So for ISIS, we are like, the bad example. We are like, the bad boys. So that, like, that itself, it's, like, a good impact for us and, like, for many other people. So... Our work like our work reached like the international media the international community to almost reach everyone so that was like our main goal and we could reach that goal so isis didn't didn't want anyone like to be like like to be like alternative media or alternative sources to the information or the news so they could like spread their own propaganda and we just came and they didn't expect like like a group of teenagers like being around and doing this stuff.
2: Yeah. uh, Yeah, and they their their propaganda got increasingly sophisticated over time, right? They they upped their production value and and can you can you talk about that? How you kind of had to to combat that as as you were working?
3: Yeah, like for ISIS like the main thing that they focused on after they like took over like most parts of most of the bars in Syria and Iraq it was the media, like, so they spent too much money on on the media. So they were, like, spending millions of dollars. So we were able to get some smuggled documents that showed them, like, spending over $10 million for, like, a media office in one city. So for them, they got, like, they got, like, many people to work on the media field. They recruited many media People And even they had like some kind of secret relation with other media guys outside of Syria and Iraq and Europe or everywhere to produce this high quality videos because it was like one of the main ways that that they could like recruit people around the world through it. So many people were obsessed like with uh, like video games this new high quality so telling people okay while you're playing like war games home or in your computers like comes reality so you can like get your gun like steal a car and shoot people you know so people said like hey and you know there are like many crazy crazy people that would love to do that thing so that was like one of the ways so and besides like different other ways so it was all through the media and for them they wanted to reach everyone so they did their video and their releases in all the languages. So it was, like, not only in Arabic, it was in English and French and German. So so in order to everybody to understand or to get their messages. Because we're locals, we know the city very well. And, like, for them, they are, like, strangers. So the majority of them, they are, like, strangers. They are not from the city. So for us, it's, like, our city. We know, like, how to move around. We know how to do stuff. So that helped us more.
2: Did you ever think at all, like... I, I I can't do this, or who am I to be trying to do this? I'm just some guy. We're just a group of friends, a group of of teenagers. Did you ever have those kind of moments of, of self-doubt as as you, you were working?
3: So, like, yeah, for a while, we, I, like, my colleagues and I, we had that things, you know, because when we all started that things, I was, like, 20 or 21 years old, so I was, like, young enough to do that things, and my mom was telling me, like, what you're doing, so... And but like then when we started to lose colleagues and friends, like I've never had that feeling or that thoughts because like we had like some people that gave their lives for this world, like to be alive. So it would be like a huge guilty for any of us thinking like to stop or like to take like a step backwards. So after that, I haven't heard any of my friends or colleagues saying that things. So they always come with things, yeah, we're going to do something like we're going to do like more work, we're going to do new stuff, we're going to do that, we're going to do that. So that was like our main motive, like just like thinking about those who gave their life for this world.
2: Mm -hmm. And uh, in in terms of the, the situation it currently in, in Syria are you still facing some of those challenges with, with propaganda and things like that with the, the current uh, occupying forces that are there?
3: Yeah, sure. Like right now there are like thousands of militias are fighting each other and like each of them want to show that they are like the only good like groups or malaysia so for us we're trying also to counter all this propaganda and especially the russian propaganda right now it's been like a huge thing like in like not only in syria but in the region itself so for us like we try always like to go after their news trying like to get photos videos to show the reality
2: yeah and you're kind of in a way it feels like at least to to me, and, and you're looking at your site. You're holding the the world accountable in some ways. I mean, calling out some of the the coalition work and what's what's happened with with the airstrikes. Do you do you feel kind of a a, a bigger sense of responsibility now?
3: Yes, because like for us, like we started like first against the government, against the regime. And then, like, we had ISIS, we had Al-Qaeda, we had other militias, then, like, ZF, the new group, then, like, the, the Russian, the international coalition, the Iranian militias, the Iraqi militias, like, like, some militias from the Mars, like, militias from everywhere. So, we had, like, this responsibility, like, to report on all the militias and even all the international countries' governments. So as I said, we don't stand with any side or with any group, and we don't belong to any political party or to any government. So we're like 100% independent. So we cover like any group, militia, government, coalition, or whatever, committing like human rights violations against the civilians.
2: And so we you you mentioned um, the the kind of Russian influence earlier, and that's there's been, uh, as as I'm sure you know, a, a rise in the, the, the use of the term fake news and to kind of go along with with authoritarians all over the world trying to, to call out news that, that they don't agree with or that they're trying to, to tell the public is fake. Um, how does that, that make you feel when you, you hear that, that term kind of being thrown around?
3: Yeah, like it, it's been like a huge problem, not only like in Syria or like the region, like it's everywhere, even here in the U.S., like uh, If you like switch from channel to another, like you would hear like completely different news, like one of them like saying something the other would say the opposite and like many people like they get lost like between all this tv channels like platforms and they don't know who to follow so it's been like a huge problem so i've met like many people that they are like so confused so they say like yeah we heard that and then we heard that and we're hearing that and that might happen so people they get confused so The thing, like, we try, like, to clarify everything to make it simple and, like, provide evidence. So that was, like, the only way. So people, when they show, like, when they see evidence, that would be, like, the best way to convince them. So when we come up, like, with photos, videos, people from the city itself speaking about what's going on. Like, not to get one example or two, like, to get more than one. So that was, like, the easiest way. But I don't think that there is like a solution to kill or like to stop fake news. It's been like everywhere. And like you, it's so hard, like sometimes just to track all this fake news or like the non-fake news.
2: So the the, uh, videos that you mentioned about people collecting, were they specifically working for RBSS? Or did you receive submissions just from from citizens who wanted to, to contribute to what you were doing
3: yeah it, like it was mainly from our like network our colleagues but at the same time there were like many people who were sending photos videos some news other they were like sending only greetings. so they said like that the only thing we could do so it was like so risky to do anything or take a photo like Taking a photo is a huge crime. It means, like, execution. So people were scared, like, to take a photo. So even, for, like, a photo for, like, a landscape. So there are, like, checkpoints that they check their mobile phones, like, uh, and everything. They check people. And, like, you don't know, like, any, like, you don't know where these checkpoints would be. So... They are, like, they move them all the time. So they're, like, 24 hours trying. And then, like, eventually, the ISIS had, like, security cameras everywhere. So we had, like, to be careful. And everybody had to be careful, like, taking photos and stuff. So that was, like, so hard. So the majority of people, they were all so scared. So because the first thing ISIS did, they tried to shock all the civilians. So by doing, like, the public execution and doing all this uh, threat, uh, atrocities so they were all in public places public squares and they were calling people to come and watch so people would get shocked and uh, afraid scared like to do anything so that like was one of the things that ISIS focused on so not to create a movement or anything in the city so most of the stuff and that we were getting we're getting from our colleagues but as I said like sometimes we'd find out like uh, people that want to do something or like uh, feel that they're fighting for something.
2: Mm-hmm. And so what what's the the way around the kind of checkpoints and and surveillance? How did you advise people to still be able to to get their photos and videos to you?
3: So that was like hard when they started like to spread security cameras everywhere. So and the thing as I said since we were all local so we know we know the city very well. So, and even when ISIS uh, started, like, spreading security cameras, they tweet our account. Uh, and they said yeah right now we have security cameras in order like to catch the idiots of rockers being sort of silently and then like the next day one of our colleagues he went and he took a photo for the security cameras and like we tweeted like okay here are your security cameras what you're gonna do so we I still have like both the tweets so that was like the good thing that we were locals and we were able to smuggle some news from or through isis so raqqa in general is like a tribal community so everybody should know everybody in some way so if i don't know that person i know has a brother his cousin or like anyone who's connected to and then like you know like, you would know, like, someone who has, like, a brother or, like, someone within ISIS, so just, like, having, like, a shit chat or, like, a normal chat, yeah, hey, guys, what you're doing, you know, so that was only, like, a way to get, like, many news, like, nobody were able to get it, and we came up, like, with many exclusive news, like, some people, they love to show or themselves, yeah, we did that thing, we arrested that person, we gonna do that thing, we gonna do blah blah, so that was only, also, like, a way, so... And and uh, right now, like we're working on like doing like some like it, edu- like some books like to educate or like to teach other people. So this would be like in our program, like how to do like simple thing to in order to get the news or how to do like other simple things to in order to protect yourself, not to be arrested.
2: You you obviously lost friends family members colleagues through this process what is it like getting that call or that 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 notification that that someone has lost their lives in in this work
3: yeah like 2015 was like a tough year and for me like it was like the scary minute every day when i wake up like you know so when i wake up and i have to check my phone so i like i always i said like yeah please god i hope nothing bad happened so and like sometimes like i get like the cause and like i would be like the first one and like yeah what we should do and like it happened with me many times while i was like outside like like uh, on the bus and like then just getting the call so for like a while like my brain will be like was freezing so i didn't know like what to do i felt like powerless but like that didn't didn't like, lost, like, of oh, like, long because I know that there are like something we should do, and we there are like something we need to look after. So, like, the main thing, f- like, that f- the main thing that ISIS wanted us to do is to stop our war, so that's why they started to kill and hunt us. So, we didn't want it to give up, like, so easily. And then, like, when we think about the fact that those people they gave their lives. For this work. So I don't feel that like their lives are like better than my life or my other colleague life. So they I might be like instead of them. So so it was like a hard thing like just to give up or stop.
2: Thank you, uh, Aziz, so much for for your your time today. We're all very grateful for for the the work that you've done and for for coming here to the middle of Pennsylvania to share your story with us. Um, I do have one last question for you. Um, what does democracy mean to you?
3: It means like many things. It's like a way where people they where people can acc- express themselves without being afraid of like of like being arrested or being called so sometimes uh, people they don't really feel or know what democracy is so because they live in countries where democracy is not a big deal for them but in many different countries like democracy is like something that people are fighting for people are getting called for so it's an important thing that people they should know or like understand it more because if they do have it right now, they might lose it tomorrow. And if they don't have it today, they might get it tomorrow. I'm sure.
2: um, very well said, Aziz. Thank you for joining us today.
3: Yeah, sure. Thank you.
0: Well, we're back, and uh, thank you, uh, Jenna, for that terrific, terrific interview. Aziz is even more personable and humble and self-effacing in person than he is in that in the uh, film.
1: Yeah, it, it is. Uh, it is. I told him it's an honor to meet this man. You know, I mean, you don't often meet somebody who's um, risked their lives for the sake of uh, a set of
0: principles. And and he did. <laughs> mm-hmm. yes, anyway. I agree. Uh, I wanted to pick up on, on one thing that he was talking about that I think gets around to uh, themes that have been important to us on the on the podcast, and and that's when he talks about you know the need to counter ISIS media. Or he didn't use the term propaganda, but but well, that's, I would. Yeah, it's obviously what. It yeah, was. he's making the point that uh, they do this. They make this point in the in the film, and he makes it he makes it to to Jenna as well that uh, that ISIS is invested millions of dollars, I believe, is what he said. Mm-hmm. Millions of dollars in their media operations. Uh, they're producing really slick videos, uh, well produced, captivating, <laughs> violent and grotesque. Well, but yeah. they are, you know, they are they are compelling. Uh, and this is why you need a free press.
1: Well, and it, it's it, <laughs> You need a free press, and it also speaks to the the power. Of media, right? They're presenting this narrative of uh, the caliphate of the Islamic state, and how you know this is what um, uh, Islam has been searching for for literally hundreds of years, and now we have it, and isn't it wonderful? And and uh, we're creating an Islamic paradise on earth, and and none of that was true, but it was presented in a in a very uh, compelling way. And a lot of people throughout the world um, were were captivated by
0: it. Yes. And and I think it's really important to emphasize the importance of a free and open media here, especially since there's been so much debasing of it in our own Mm -hmm, politics. mm -hmm. And uh, – Whereas we should be celebrating, right? People like this. I right. mean, these are American values. Right. What, what these guys are doing, and what, what's what? One thing that strikes me about it is, you know, the president's language on fake news mm-hmm. and his attacks on the media have been picked up by authoritarian governments around the world, right? Including in Syria, right? Right. Where, Assad. where, where President mm-hmm. Assad talks about how you can forge any. I'm quoting. You can forge anything these days. We're living in a fake news era. Right. For all these
1: people, uh, the truth is um, inconvenient, right? Is not something that they want oh, to it's get a out. a threat to power. Right, exactly. And so anybody who is um, uh, working to undermine that by speaking the truth, by reporting what is really going on, is undermining their power and therefore they're an enemy.
0: Right, and when you know when you call when you call NBC a fake fake news, you know NBC can stand on its own. Right, right, right. large corporation. They've got great lawyers. They've got lots and lots of money
1: mm-hmm. and lots of really good reporters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but these guys don't. Right. And we should, be, we should be building them up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: At, at minimum, tacit. You're right. Um, no, I, I, I absolutely think that's right. I mean, so, so that the idea of uh, the media being the enemy of the people is not just false, not just a lie. It is also um, making the world a, a more dangerous right. and less free place yes certainly
0: less safe for these guys right. but mm-hmm. yeah absolutely
1: if you can find the moral or the the fortitude to watch this you really should the city of ghosts it's not easy it don't not, want yeah. don't want to make it clear you know give you a false impression but it, it if if nothing else it makes you it's you see the worst of humanity and also the best of humanity and it is um it, it really does give you a, a an insight into the world we live in and and what all of us are called to do in it
0: yes and on top of that just about what's going on in a place that we all keep hearing about but i suspect many americans really just don't understand very right. much about right i think that's right and
1: yeah. and um and so um Aziz and his group—I mean, it, it, ISIS is basically—well, they're out of Raqqa, and they're out of most of Syria, um, hanging on by a thread. But uh, Aziz is um, continuing to do amazing work. They are now uh, do this online training for other people in the world who are, find themselves in a similar circumstance. So um, they deserve all the, all the credit and all the plugs we can
0: give them. Absolutely. All right. All right. From the uh, campus of Penn State University and the McCourtney Institute for Democracy, uh, I'm Michael Berkman. And I'm Chris Beam,
1: and this is Democracy Works. Thanks for listening.